So it's full-on February. And if you're listening to this, it means I made it. I made it. It means I drove down to Florida solo from western Massachusetts to Palm Beach County. And if, if there were any particularly fun stories about being a vegan life coach and driving 1,400 miles down the, down the I-95 corridor, well, you'll probably have to wait a couple weeks, maybe two, to hear them on the podcast. You know, maybe I will have done a couple of reels or lives or videos over on the Instagram, Veg Your Best on Instagram. That's my primary social media hangout. So maybe there'll be some information there. And you know, I'm about to take off and I have gotten quite a few reactions about my decision to drive down. So we bought a used car that we want to keep at our Florida place instead of renting cars down there. And we have a new grandson planning to be born in Florida. So there you have it. My husband found a used car and I volunteered to drive it down. So as I said, I got, I got a lot of comments about my plan and on driving solo. And one or two of the comments, well, they implied, okay, they didn't imply. They, one or two comments said flat out that I couldn't do it, that I couldn't do it. Now, I don't know why anyone would actually say that, that I can't do it. I do drive most days. And honestly, from a purely navigational point of view, it's just I-95 the whole way. So I can't get too terribly lost. Sure, the car could break down. I could have an accident. The traffic could be awful. The weather could be dreadful. Yeah, maybe I could have a blood clot from sitting still so long. Yeah, I could regret it and maybe just drive to an airport and fly home and abandon the car on the side of the road. I mean, I guess all those things are possible. I guess I could fail at this undertaking, at this drive. But why would I think that way? Why? Why would I? I decided that I would like to drive the car to Florida rather than have someone else drive it for us. Of course a lot could go wrong. And if that was where I spent my time focusing my thoughts, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, I would not do it. But it turns out in this case that my thoughts have been focused on how basic, possible, and straightforward this plan is. You know, it's almost as if my thoughts create my reality. Hello, veg heads, veg your besties. Okay, it's February. How did your vegan January challenges all go? Have they stuck? What about your other challenges, your other resolutions? Have you stuck with them? All of you who thought, you know, 2022 is going to be different for me, for my relationship with food, my relationship with meat or dairy or eggs. I'm going to be whole food, plant-based or Maybe for you, it's your relationship that was at work this January or with writing or painting. Maybe 
Maybe you were one of the ones that thought this year will be new year, new you. And part of you, part of you may have noticed that you had a thought like, I don't know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Very normal thought. Not super helpful, but very normal. Because last week I talked about our relationship with ourselves and with what we do, how we live. All of it is fueled by the thoughts we have about ourselves. The positive thoughts, the negative thoughts, the apathetic thoughts, the thoughts that are on repeat, all the thoughts. And I told you last week how important I think it is to be onto ourselves, to notice, to practice awareness, really notice what thoughts are coming up for us because there are so many so many. Are there 30,000 a day, 60,000 a day? Thousands. Lots of thoughts in our brains, and most of them are on repeat, on shuffle. Just going from one to another, a thought that we've had last week, yesterday, seven years ago, 50 years ago, but we don't have to be stuck with those same thoughts on shuffle. We have a little more agency than that because we can also just decide what it is we want to be. We can just decide how we want to think. And we can just decide rather than see how it goes. Because how you eat doesn't just change. You change. What you eat, it doesn't just change. You change. What you drink or how you show up for your work or your art or your fitness, it doesn't just change. You change. And you change at the level of your thoughts. The thoughts you think about yourself and what's possible for you. So you remember, you remember the model that I'm always on about. Your thoughts create your feelings, your feelings fuel your actions, and your actions, of course, create your results. We want you to remember, I always have to remember, that I am always, always, always creating my results with my actions, and sometimes I don't like to think that it's true. But it is. And what if you decided to believe that? What if you decided to believe that you are the one creating your results in your life? Not everyone else's results, but your results in your life. And it's not always an easy ask. It's not always an easy sell. But if we have to wait on everyone else or anyone else to change things first, well, I think you know as well as I do, it's going to be a long wait. So if you were willing to believe that sometimes, some places that you're creating the results in your life, okay, well, let's get curious about those. Let's get curious. Where? Where are you right now willing to believe that? Where? What part of your life are you willing to believe that it's true? Sometimes. (laughs) 
once in a while even, that we're creating our own results. You know, sometimes we need to be kind of courageous to own our results, but there's so much freedom when we do it. And I know it was freedom for me. It is freedom for so many people when we own the results that we are creating. We start with what we do control right now, where we are, with what we already have, even if we don't like it, even if that is not a perfect scenario. Remember, we talked about the basic daily plan that keeps you moving. It keeps you moving even when your plan A or even your plan B isn't likely to happen that day. Failure doesn't mean that your plan doesn't work. Failure doesn't mean that there's no point. Failure is so important and it's beautiful. It's data. Failure is just data. And it's so good to repeat that, to use that as a reminder, especially if you're feeling a lot of resistance. If you're thinking, no, no, failure is not good. And failure means it's over. It's over, Johnny. My coach always says that if you're not failing regularly, your goals are just not big enough. Your goals are not challenging enough to get excited about. And I know we talked about that, but it was like a year ago in episode 16. Failure is an option. You know, we've got kind of a big back catalog here now. So failure, yeah, it is. It is an option. But so many of us really, really want to avoid failure rather than see it as data. Data that shows us the edge of where our current plan is working and then where it falls off. Nope, doesn't work there. It's just data. But if we think the thought, mm, that is just failure, and then we feel, maybe we feel shame or embarrassment. And with that feeling of shame or embarrassment, that feeling fuels actions like looking for all the other places we've failed in the past, looking for all the evidence that this means there's something wrong with us, how it's never going to happen for us. But what if it was just like video games? Failure is just the feedback that indicates to which level our skills have grown. And we get a chance to just keep coming back with better skills, greater awareness, a new strategy. Because if we experience failure in our plan as catastrophic, we are sure not going to want to put ourselves out there and try something big or bold or new. Whether you find yourself failing here and there once in a while or often, it's just data. So there's something you want, and right now you're not creating that result. Instead of feeling awful about it, which is super optional, <laughs> what if we could just be curious or even proud? Can you imagine that? 
Can you imagine being proud of failing at something that you really want? Because listen, we're not outrunning saber-toothed tigers here. We're not fighting over desperately scarce resources. That is for sure what it looked like when our brains were evolving. Yes. But if you're listening to this podcast in 2022 or beyond, odds are your problem is actually overabundance. An overabundance of resources, of choices, of opportunities, of consumables. Even if you don't like the choices you have at the moment, you've got so many choices compared to the environments that our brains evolved in. That's why we struggle sometimes in this new world. You know, I was recently listening to Trudy LeBron, who is a really an impressive leader in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And she's an advisor for businesses, for entrepreneurs. And Ms. LeBron herself had a start in life that many of us would agree was challenging and under-resourced and under-supported. And this was one of her points. We have choices. And sometimes we don't like any of them. But that's where our work is. And it doesn't mean that there are not systemic or structural or particular facts that are at odds with our opportunities. But paying attention, staying focused on where the choices do exist, that is where we find our agency. Not in receiving the best opportunity or waiting for the better opportunity, but creating the next best opportunity. And if you're honest with yourself, maybe, maybe you, like me, maybe you have too much of a lot of things. And coping with that overabundance is where most of us in this community find ourselves. Too many options, too much food, too many distractions, too many unhealthy, hyperpalatable products cheaply available, too many opportunities to spend time on social media sites, too much stuff in our homes, too much stuff in our storage units, too many alternatives to sitting down and painting or writing or building our new business. Too many distractions that keep us from getting physical movement. Too many places to spend our money too easily. And too many time wasters. Not Wordle, though. Not Wordle. Don't you say a thing against Wordle. But all the rest of it. There is so much. So much, dare I say, crap vying for our attention, that every time our focus lands on one thing, we need to realize we are effectively saying no to other things. You know that. We all know that. And most of us still, most of us still conspire against ourselves. We conspire against our dreams and goals by majoring in minor things. Spending time and energy, resources on things that are not moving us forward, not moving us towards 
what we want in a way we say we want to progress. Now, I've told you before, my coach calls these patterns of consumption and busy work and self-soothing as buffering. People buffer with food and drink. People buffer with sugar and weed, TV and gambling, 24-hour news, over-focusing on housework or laundry or porn or online shopping or scrolling on the phone and social media. And we have, all of us, a bunch of excuses why we actually need to do those things. And we can be very defensive and very prickly about those patterns of consumption, especially if we think, oh, look at me, I'm a failure. But what if instead, what if it was just data? Listen, you, you, like everybody else, spend some time buffering probably. And if you spend a lot of time buffering and you're not accomplishing what you've been saying you want to accomplish, if you're not creating the results in your life that you want, I don't suggest that it helps to judge yourself harshly about buffering. Listen, your brain is unsurprisingly interested in you doing things that are easy and pleasurable in some way and that avoid potential painful things like you're working on a big new goal and failing and then making that mean that there's something wrong with you or the world is against you or there was never a chance for you, right? That's the motivational triad. Avoid pain, seek pleasure, emphasize doing what is easiest. We all do it. And the more the more judgment we have about what we're doing, the more shame we have about our choices and how we use our time, the less likely our brains are to help us spend time figuring it out. Why? Because it sounds super unfun and difficult. Instead, our brains are programmed to suggest that you know how about we do something fun, yeah? Relaxing, delicious, something checked out for a little while? Just a little while? Come on, we deserve it. And then, there we go. There we all go. Creating more of the same results we've been creating and not the new results we want. So, so the secret is to not make this a negative experience. This noticing where your actions and the time you've been spending has not been engaged on the goals that you say you want. Past results do not equal future performance because your thoughts, your focus, your beliefs, and the feelings those beliefs engender in you, the thoughts you choose and the feelings they spark in you are like a huge buffet, a huge, ever-changing buffet. Imagine an enormous table of every delicious vegan option and you were only, only every day choosing the iceberg salad, the french fries and Oreos. There it was, arrayed before you, limitless choices of every fruit, vegetable, grain, green, seed, mushroom, and bean, prepared by the most brilliant vegan chefs, hand-raised plants, 
grown with exquisite care on a magnificent sideboard, and you're like, yeah, I know, but I always have iceberg lettuce and French fries and Oreos. Well, why? Well, because what if I choose something and I don't like it? What if I choose something and I love it, but I can't figure out how to ever get it again? What if I choose something unfamiliar and I don't really know how to eat it and I make a fool of myself or I make a mess? No, I'll just have the iceberg salad, the french fries, and the Oreos. Metaphorically, we do this to ourselves all the time. We limit our choices, the thoughts we choose because we're familiar with the choices that we have been practicing. Yes, maybe you spent time eating or online shopping or scrolling your iPhone or drinking or playing video games or sitting in front of the TV with popcorners chips. You know, popcorners chips are delicious. Or maybe like me, fussing with organizing a drawer or doing laundry or filing old bills to get that dopamine hit of at least I did something important today. My very hardworking parents thought that doing Sunday crosswords, well, that it was a perfectly reasonable use of time on the weekend. I married a man who thought that this was the most absurd waste of time he could even imagine. And it was a compromise early in our, our marriage. And by compromise, I mean I stopped doing crosswords, at least in front of him. And he stopped looking at me like I was neglecting everything we had ever built together. And, and I had my own thoughts. I always say I married my husband because he doesn't watch sports. Because in my head, there's nothing dumber than watching other people play games. <laughs> Those are my thoughts. I studied art history and Russian and medieval history, and I will tell you, this may shock you, but I will tell you that there are people who hear that you are a medieval art historian, and they literally cannot imagine anything less interesting or useful. <laughs> and then there are some others who think it's fabulous. So my point here, my point is that there are things we do, and there are things we don't do, and we can have a about a million different stories about what each of those things mean. In every generation, in every socioeconomic class, in every ethnic group, what people think about things is very, very changeable. None of it is inherently, universally, timelessly true. They're just thoughts. And we may have, we may have what we think are excellent, very, very astute reasons for our thoughts. Thoughts like growing veggies is better than growing flowers, or the reverse, or that vinyl siding is better than wood, or the reverse, or that studying modern languages is a better use of time and an education than ancient languages, that being a car mechanic is better as a career than being a middle school teacher, that sending your kids to preschool is better than homeschooling, that an electric car is better than one with a gas engine, or the reverse. Because none of these things is universally true, and we all have judgments about what other people are doing 
and how other people are choosing to eat or live or vote, how they're spending their time and spending their money. And then the sting in the tail is we also have a lot of shame and judgment about how we ourselves are showing up in our own lives. You know, it's a pretty full-time hobby for most of us. Judgment about others and then judgment or sometimes worse, extreme defensiveness about ourselves. But that judgment part is completely optional. The defensiveness is completely optional. And I know, I know some of us, some of you, me, sometimes will think, yeah, no, if I drop that judgment, won't I just end up doing that easy, low value, low return, self-destructive activity? Why would I change anything if I thought it wasn't a bad idea? And the answer is always because you want to. Because you want to. If you and I are less at war with ourselves, if we're less embarrassed and defensive, if we're rationalizing less, if we're angry and blaming others less about what's going on right now, that what we're doing is not moving us towards what we want, if we could just let that be data, we would have so much more time, so much more energy, bandwidth, and excitement to use for whatever new goal, whatever new thing, whatever new idea we want. And because of that, we'll have more peace. We will require less self-soothing, less checking out, less reason to turn to buffering behaviors. So this week, this week, notice what thoughts you're having about you vis-a-vis your goals, the results that you want to create. And notice, so notice what thoughts you're having about where you may be buffering when you're choosing activities that are not building the results you said you want. You can think so many different things about any of these subjects. There may actually be infinite possibilities, endless choices of how to look at most of them. And I'm not asking you to believe anything you don't believe, but maybe, maybe, and when I say maybe, I mean definitely, definitely there's a new way of reframing what you are doing now And when I say maybe, I mean definitely. There is a new way of reframing what you're doing now and what you want to do that serves you, that empowers you. Even if you don't like the choices you see right now, okay? Especially, especially if you don't like the choices you're seeing right now. Play a game with yourself. What would the hero in your situation think about? How would the heroic you focus here or problem solve? What if you just couldn't fail? Because maybe you can't. Maybe it's just data and you can decide that's true anytime you want. Okay, kids, if you're ready to see how coaching can help you reframe your situation, 
and reinvigorate your goals, this is a great subject to bring to a free coaching consultation with me. Because when you can drop drop the judgment, when you can fully have your own back and show up as the hero in your own life, listen, I promise you, I promise you that you will find so much more energy and focus and excitement. And maybe that's actually what we want. Maybe all these goals, all the plans, all the results we want to create, mostly it's because we want to feel excited about being alive. So I will be here next week. That's my plan. After my I-95 New England to Southern Florida road trip. And if you follow me on Instagram, I will be posting my road trip vegan food choices, or I guess I will have posted them. You can look back at them. In addition to being told by several people that I can't do this trip, I've been told by even more that I am going to starve to death. Of course, none of these people is vegan, so consider the source. But the way I'm looking at it, I can't fail unless I don't do it. So I have every intention of arriving safely and sufficiently nourished and in one piece And my calendar will be back open for coaching consults again by the time this episode drops. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms. It helps bump us up a little in the rankings. And that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So until next week, make it easy and veg your best.